Thank you for downloading this podcast from Awakening Church. Man. How many people are glad that the fast is over? Tell the truth. Yes, hallelujah. Actually, it's the whole reason we did the fast, so that the Chiefs would win the Super Bowl. So, it's a joke. It's a joke. I, I do want to tell you a really interesting story, though, about Bob Jones, who was prophetic. He was crazy prophetic, crazy accurate. Um, and he was weird. I mean, you've heard me say before, prophetic people are weird, and they, sometimes they just are. But he... He was so accurate that he prophesied that the Houston Oilers back, y'all remember the Oilers? Anybody remember the Houston Oilers? He prophesied that the Houston Oilers would leave Houston, go to Tennessee, and build a stadium that would house a gathering for revival. 7707, the call. I don't know if any of you were there. We were there was the fulfillment of that. The Houston Oilers absolutely moved from Houston, Texas to Tennessee. I mean, like that kind of crazy accurate. So when he, uh, you know, when I read things and I've read a lot about what Bob Jones has said in the past, when I read those things, I'm like, you know what? We better listen because that brother had a portal that was uh, seriously, I mean, he was really, really accurate in uh, his, his prophecy. So that's really cool. Uh, I'm, I'm loving uh, seeing some of the stuff uh, about those that have broken the fast. Some of you that were fasting coffee and now it's back in your life. And I'm sure your family's glad that coffee's back in your life. And, you know, I'm whatever it was that you were fasting, I'm glad that it's together. I, you know, I, I love the intentionality around what we were doing with the Isaiah 58 fast. I love the opportunities that were presented. Here's what I would love if something happened. Um, that was just so notable to you throughout the fast, whether it's you have a testimony, you have a special revelation. I'd like for you to go to awakeningky.com, scroll down to where it says, can we pray with you? And just click that. It's going to open a form and you can explain what it was that the Lord showed you. We would love to hear from you. I would love to hear what's, what, what has been happening, the revelation that the Lord has given you, whatever that, maybe it's a story that um, through the Isaiah 58 fast, you, you were able to buy somebody's meal and it, it changed their life. Wh- whatever that may be, um, we, we want to hear from you because we want to celebrate those testimonies with you. And so we want to just have you to do that. Rebecca mentioned there was an amazing prophetic word last night. Right now we're going to begin working on transcribing that so that we can get that out there. Robbie Atwood just began to declare some stuff over our church and um, just over our city, really. And so we, we want to get that and be a good steward of that. So um, more about that coming in a little bit. All right, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. I've been talking about this for some time, and uh, so I'm going to jump in to what I am calling wise kingdom expansion slash cultural transformation. I can't get away from this idea of cultural transformation. Um, And so I I really want to do that. And I'm going to hopefully today talk about some really, really practical things that I feel like are necessary for the body of Christ. Um, So I'm I'm just really, really stirred with, with what the Lord is saying about that. It's so good to see all of you, some, some friends that we haven't seen in a while. So good to see you, Chris and Anne-Marie and the kids. It's amazing. Blake and Jamie, so good to see you guys and that beautiful little boy. Um, all of our visitors, it's just so, we're, we're so glad that you're here and uh, excited to connect with you. So Ephesians chapter 3, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read some scripture, verses 9 through 12, and then I'm going to go away from it, and then I'll come back to it. Is that okay? Cool. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 9 through 12. This is in the Passion Translation. My passion is to enlighten every person to this divine mystery. It was hidden for ages past until now and kept a secret in the heart of God, the creator of all. The purpose of this was to unveil before every throne, rank, and angelic order in the heavenly realm God's full and diverse wisdom revealed through the church. Now, I love the New King James Version. It says that to the intent 
that the manifold wisdom of God, the many-sided wisdom of God would be made known by the church. Would be made known by the church. I want you to think about the responsibility that we have to release the wisdom of God not just to this culture. See, here, here, here's what's really interesting. You, you know, we've, we've said this a lot, and I'm, I'm going to finish reading in a moment. But we've said here a lot that the, the enemy is not the opposite of God. When, when we make him the opposite of God, we elevate him to a status that he, he does not operate in. I'm getting just a little bit of a ring on this thing. We elevate him to a status. This scripture right here says that we are to be the ones, the church, to teach the spiritual realm about the manifold wisdom of God. Well, why would God not do that? Because he placed sons and daughters on the earth to fulfill the mission that he sent for us to do. Heaven is his throne. Earth is his footstool. He has given us, sons and daughters, the keys to display the, the very diverse wisdom of God. I, I, I want you to hear the depth of this scripture because I want you to catch what he's, what he's really saying to us is that there were things that were withheld even in the spiritual realm that the church has the ability to release as a part of their identity. Okay? All right. So let's read verse 10 again. The purpose of this was to unveil before every throne rank of angelic order in the heavenly realm God's full and diverse wisdom revealed through the church. This perfectly wise plan was destined from eternal ages and fulfilled completely in our Lord Jesus Christ so that now we have boldness through him and free access as kings before the Father because of our complete confidence in Christ's faithfulness. Father, I'm so grateful for your word. I'm so thankful for all that you do. I'm asking that you would help me today to communicate what it is that I feel like you're saying. God, I ask that, that you would give a grace to those that are hearing today to not just hear, but to do what it is you want us to do with that. I, I, just, uh, I take authority in the spiritual realm right now. And I just declare that your favor and your will will be accomplished today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. One of the first things that I believe accompanies a real encounter with the Holy Spirit, one of the very first things that will accompany a real encounter with the Holy Spirit is that our language will change. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not just talking about you were cussing before you came to Jesus, and now you don't say those words anymore. Because some of y'all probably still say those words. I'm just saying. <laughs> our language, legitimately, our language that is connected to our thought process, when you have an encounter with Jesus, when you have a real encounter with the Holy Spirit, it has to change the way that you think, and it has to change the way that you speak. Because what you say is a direct result of your thought life, okay? What you say is a direct result of your thought life. Your life follows the directions of your words. I want you to hear that. I want you to listen to me really closely. I know that we've heard a lot of people uh, exploit that scripture. There's the, the power of life and death is in the tongue, and, and, and we've, we've called it whatever we want to call it, and different camps have used that scripture to, to um, garner what it, whatever it is that they're trying to, to get there. But I, I want you to understand that the reality of the word of God is that your life follows the words that come out of your mouth. I'm not talking about the words that you say in public. I'm talking about the words that you say at home that you think nobody hears. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So out of the abundance of what's here. Now there's some... Con 
contrast there. And in the coming weeks, I'm going to talk more about the heart, and our team is going to begin to talk more about speech and about what this looks like. But I really want to focus in today on the idea that wisdom is connected to what we say. The wisdom of God, the way that we release the wisdom of God is connected to what we say. And we have the ability to shape atmospheres and environments when we go into them, not just with the spirit, but with the practical words that we say. Have you ever been in a a really good mood and you encounter someone who is not and immediately you just feel the atmosphere change? Why is that? Why is it so easy for us to adapt to the negative culture that may be happening instead of allowing what is in our mouth, what's in our spirit to determine what's happening in the atmosphere? Anybody ever been in those situations? Like you're just so happy and you walk into the office on Monday and that one person every time, they're they're just, you know, it doesn't matter what happens, they're going to be in a bad mood. You all know who I'm talking about, right? And you walk in there, you're like, oh man, it's good. And they're like, and you're like, what in the world? You know, I really want us to begin to focus on the fact that we have the ability to adjust those atmospheres. We do not have to bow our knee to the negative side of what's being said. Okay, all right. Matthew 11, 19. This is an interesting scripture, really interesting. And I'm gonna read it out of the New Living Translation, but Jesus is really talking about John the Baptist and he's talking to Pharisees and he he says some really interesting things that John the Baptist uh, wasn't a drinker, he wasn't a, 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 a glutton, he wasn't a wine bibber, all these things. And then Jesus says, um, the son of man comes and he's drinking and doing all these things and you call him a wine bibber and you call him a glutton uh, and a drunkard. He spends all his time with the tax collectors. That's the passion translation. If we've got the new living, that's what I want on that one. Let me read it. The son of man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But look at, watch this last phrase here. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. Wisdom is shown to be right by his results. The New King James says that wisdom is justified by her children. I love this. The wisdom is shown to be right by its results. In other words, wisdom will produce fruit. What I say, do you know that that seed oftentimes in the Bible is, is referred to, seed is really connected to words. It really is. And so one of the things I want us to understand is that our words at some point are going to produce a harvest. Now, I, I know that, that um, your language is always so wholesome and uh, your kids never say anything out of line. But in our house, one time we had watched a Medea play. Anybody know who Medea is? All right. We had watched Medea. It was a play, you know, on stage, live production. And Trenton, uh, no, Brady. It was Brady. Brady was about three years old, two or three years old. And Brady and I were out one night, and we were at... Uh, we, we were at a Chinese restaurant. He and I were just eating there and he, you know, he's in the high chair beside me and, you know, just dad and Brady. I'm like, oh man, we're having an amazing time. And, uh, this, uh, rather tall African-American lady walks in and walks by the table and without even thinking, Brady goes, that's Medea. That's not all. He said, that's Medea. She says, what the H-E-L? He said that exactly, just like that. So I say that to let you know that your words and what you cultivate will at some point produce a harvest. There's some other stories I'm not going to tell you that that have been said uh, in in our household. And again, I know that none of you have ever done that. All of you parents of young uh, children just understand your day is coming. It is coming. They hear and they live what they know. But seriously, I mean, three years, what do do you do with that? And and he said it where she had to have heard him. She didn't acknowledge us, but she, she had to know that that little boy just called me Medea. Anyway, your words will produce 
a harvest. Your words will produce a harvest. Okay, now, a few months ago, we started talking about three levels of intelligence, okay? We talked about IQ, we talked about EQ, and we talked about SQ, okay? IQ being intellect, okay, our intelligence. EQ being emotional intelligence, and SQ being spiritual intelligence, okay? And so, I I want us to understand that we have to begin to ask ourselves these questions when we are faced with situations. Where does our communication come from? Does it come from my IQ? Which sometimes it does. Does it come from my EQ, my emotional state? Sometimes it does. Or does it come from my spiritual connection? Right? So... What are we communicating to the culture? Is it always an intellectual thing? Is it always an emotional thing? Am I that person that I'm so emotional and I'm so driven by my emotions that whatever's happening in the moment is the way that I respond? I heard, uh, I heard Jill Talbot say this. It was, it was really brilliant. She said that, you know, we have to feel our emotions and, and we're not going to put, we need to treat our emotions kind of like children. And she said, you're not going to put a child in the trunk and say, hey, they're not existent, so I'm not going to let my emotions, you know, be a part. She said, what you're going to do, you're also not going to let them have the keys to the car and drive. But a really good place for the emotions is to be put in a car seat strapped in the back so that you know they're there, you can feel them, you can absolutely navigate through them, but they're not leading the journey. And what happens is sometimes people of the kingdom, specifically prophetic people, because we're feelers, we do this. Sometimes we are moved by emotion. And when we communicate out of emotion only, we miss the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm an excitable kind of guy. Like, it doesn't take much. People, you know, sometimes they're like, why are you raising your voice? I'm like, I'm not raising my voice. What are you talking about? I'm just, I'm and I'm raising my voice. And, and so I have to be aware, I have to be aware of my emotional state connected with my intellect. But more than that, I've got to get to a place to where when I communicate, the spirit is the dominant voice that is being communicated. Are you with me? And, and what I want us to understand is that as people of God, as people of the kingdom, our communication is so important. But did you know that even our nonverbal communication is really important? You can give off some type of thing, whatever you want to call it, just by your nonverbal communication. As a matter of fact, a lot of our communication is nonverbal. That's why I, I, I don't understand Christians who don't know how to smile. Is the joy of the Lord your strength or not? Do you understand what I'm saying? We have the ability, and if we're really going to begin to shape culture, if we're really going to begin to see the kingdom expanded, we have to learn to be aware of our communication, our verbal and our nonverbal. What are we, what are we producing? What are we sowing, better yet? What are we sowing with what we say and what we do in regard to kingdom expansion? Because you are going to get a harvest. And you can't spend the majority of your life praying for crop failure. It's going to produce something. All right. Okay. This is why perspective is so important. What shapes the way that I think and what shapes the way that I speak? Am I a negative Nancy? Do I always see the problem first? It's fun, isn't it? Did you know that your life and your language will declare what you believe about the kingdom? Did you know that? Your life and your language will declare what you know about the kingdom. I love what Bill Johnson says. He says this, he says, you will smell the most like the world that you are most acquainted with. You're going to have the aroma 
of the world that you spend most of your time in. I believe that one of the practical things that can affect culture is for kingdom people, are you ready? To know when and when not to speak. Do you know that that's actually a principle that will help your marriage and relationships in general? (laughs) To know when and when not to speak. Now, you know how we believe around here that if we have Bible on it, then it's a principle, right? I got Bible. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 28. When even a fool bites his tongue, he's considered wise. So shut your mouth when you are provoked. It will make you look smart. Man, I love Dr. Simmons. Now listen, I have been dwelling. Y'all really need to listen to me today. I'm serious. I have been dwelling on this topic for months. I'm talking about months. Because the Lord, he talks to me in ways that I understand. And so the way it, I'm going to give you the way it came to me, and I hope that I can communicate it to you today somewhat differently than the way it came to me because not everybody has the same filters and understanding that I do. But the way it came to me was you need to know when to shut up. I'm going I'm to show you some contrast in Ephesians chapter 3 that we just talked about today. But what he's trying to communicate to us is that we need, we need to know when and when not to be talking. Uh, I, I think this is a good time for the quote. Um, it's actually attributed to Abraham Lincoln, but then there's some you know, people who say maybe Lincoln didn't say it, maybe somebody else said it. What I do know is that Abraham Lincoln said that 85% of all statistics on the internet are made up. He did say that. <clears throat> but listen to this. It's, it's closely connected to that proverb that I just read. It's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. It's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Here, here's what I want to say. This is, guys, I'm serious. I know this is different, than, but I'm telling you, I believe that the Lord is wanting to help us to really begin to affect culture. Here's what I know. We're not going to transform culture in here. We may learn how to make that happen, but we will transform culture by the way that we respond to what he's saying to us out there. Okay? So he's teaching us some things. So here's what I want us to really catch. Just because you have something to say doesn't mean that it needs to be said. Watch this. Just because you get a prophetic word doesn't mean that you have to share it. Did you know that the Bible says that the spirits are subject to the prophets? Do you know what that means? It means that when he gives you a prophetic word, it's subject to you knowing the time, knowing the place, knowing how to present it. It doesn't just mean, oh, it's welling up within me and so I can't stop. No, 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 no. That's not him. He may be speaking to you, but he's also teaching you when and when not to say it. Here's why it's really important to understand that. And that's the truth, too, in in relationships. Just because you have something to say. Have you ever been around that person that knows everything about everything? And when you tell them a story, they have to one-up you and say, Oh, well, I did this, too. The way he said it to me was learn to... Shut up. You don't, we don't have to always, just because we have information, just because we have revelation. Here's, here's what I want to tell you. One of the worst things that can happen is for a prophetic person who is struggling with bitterness or disappointment to begin to open their mouth. It's one of the worst things that could happen. When, when you're a prophetic person, when you are a person that is in line with God, that has communication with him, one of the worst things you can do when you're struggling with disappointment and bitterness, and we all do, one of the worst things you can do is to open your mouth. Why? Because you create things when you speak. Listen, here's, here's what I know about us as the body of Christ. We have 
not placed enough value on the things that the Lord has given us in regard to gifts and the power that he has released in us. I'm telling you that people under the sound of my voice, when you open your mouth, you create things. How can you say that? Because we were made in the image of God and he is a creator. And so if he is a creator and we are in partnership with him, our words have the ability to create things and that can work even in the negative. How can you say that, Ryan? The gifts of God are without repentance. You know who had an amazing gift but wasn't submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ for most of his life, whatever? Elvis Presley. He had an amazing gift, but he wasn't functioning in the anointing. Whitney Houston, same thing. Whitney Houston, and listen, all of y'all Beyonce lovers, don't even talk to me about Beyonce in connection with Whitney. I, I'm, I, seriously, I get upset about it. All the single ladies, all that, no, no, no. Beyonce is not a vocalist compared to Whitney Houston. Let me just throw that out there. See, I should learn to shut up. I don't have to say that. I don't have to say it. <laughs> I'm just playing. Beyonce's crazy talented. She just, she not Whitney, nor is she Mariah. And I'm not going to go there. What I'm saying, yeah, Rebecca said, you're giving an example of what not to do, right? <laughs> that would have been a good time for both of us right there. Just to, <laughs> No, no, seriously, I want you to catch this. They were anointed. They had a gift. They did not submit it to God. It's the same thing when prophetic people are struggling with bitterness. They're struggling with disappointment. Don't go around spewing that out because you create things. There are times when I'm asking God, God, why are you not talking to me? Why are you not talking to me? Because every time he talks to me, he creates something. And he's not going to put me in a situation that is not good for me and begin to release plans and strategies when I don't have the heart posture to be able to handle what it is he's saying. And I have to then show by maturity that I can honor him as preeminent. I can honor him as the first place and trust that he is doing that for my good. Are you with me? Okay. All right. I really want you to understand. I think there's been a misunderstanding about how powerful your speech is. I'm telling you, you... If you have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you, your speech is so powerful. You have the ability to create things. Do you understand that even in intercession, you have the ability to tear down and to build up? That's what you possess. That's why it is so important that we understand that we take inventory of what's coming out of our mouth. Okay? Gifts are without repentance. God doesn't remove them from us based on whether or not we're having a good day. He doesn't. He doesn't take that gift away. Listen, I, there's a philosopher, he said that God made man in his own image and man returned the favor. We, we've turned God into this emotional being that is up one day and down the other. We've, we've turned him into this, this, this us because we're up one day and we're down the next because we're moved by everything that we see and everything that's in front of us. We've turned God into that. And so we think, oh, well, he's not anointing me today. So he must have removed his hand because we're both having a bad day. It's not how it works. He doesn't have a bad day. He doesn't have a bad year. He doesn't have a bad decade. He doesn't have a bad millennium. He is God and he's not moved by what we're moved by. And what he does is gives us the ability to connect with him on a level that we become partners with the Holy Spirit to do and to say what it is that he's asking us to do and to say. Okay. Are y'all bored? Okay. All right. Here's the other thing. The way that we believe and speak about the things of God, you need to hear this. The way that we believe and speak about the things of God, the kingdom, healing, even your life and your destiny will reveal the depth of the seed of the word of God in the soil of your life. The way that you speak about healing 
about the things of God, about your destiny, about your children, about your marriage, about all that you've entrusted to him, the way that you speak about it will reveal the depth of the seed of the word of God in the soil of your life. You remember the parable of the sower and there was some that was good soil and it went deep and it produced fruit. But then there were some that had rocks and gravel. There was some that was hard and the enemy would come and steal that. What we do when we declare something out of our mouth, we're proving how deep the seed of the word of God has gone in our lives. We're proving that. I catch myself all the time. I'm like, okay, this is what you said. I'm, I've got it. My goodness, I've got a word, and you've put this down in me. And then a situation will come, and I'll like, oh, my goodness, are you ever talking to me? Did you ever even say anything to me? Seriously, it reveals the depth that I let the word go down. It reveals the depth of the seed on the inside of me. It reveals the depth of what I really believe about what he is saying to me in my life, the way that I communicate. Here's what I've learned. We can fake the language for a bit. I love what David was talking about, about the confidence thing. Even confidence, all of that. We can fake it for a little while. Watch this. Did you know you can even fake passion for a little while? It's amazing to me that we see people, oh, I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about that. You can tell by the fruit that is produced over a period of time. I learned a long time ago, I can't let my highs be too high and I can't let my lows be too low. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's, there's something that is produced over time that makes the fruit even sweeter than I ever thought it could be. It makes it sweeter than I ever thought it could be. And we can fake language for a little bit, but eventually it has to produce fruit. Because wisdom is proved by its results. Okay. Now, I told you I was coming back to Ephesians 3. The many-sided wisdom of God to be displayed through the church. So, Ryan, you're talking to us about this whole idea of know when to speak and know when not to speak. Here, here's the contrast. The reason we have to know is because of the power that is at work within us. Watch this. Verse 12 of Ephesians 3, we have boldness through him and free access as kings before the Father because of our complete confidence in Christ's faithfulness. We have boldness through him, free access as kings before the Father because of our complete confidence in Christ's faithfulness. Now, before I give you the meaning of what he's saying right there, I want you to know that there, I, I have lists of scriptures right now about this very topic, about learning when to speak. I mean, go read James chapter 5, go read James chapter 3, go read Proverbs, and you're going to hear over and over and over again that you need to bridle your tongue. You need to know what to do. Here's, here's, here's what Paul is trying to say to the Ephesians church. When you are operating in your identity as a kingdom person, when you are operating the way that you're supposed to be, the word of God has gone deep in you. This is what that phrase, we have both boldness through him means. Are you ready for this? Freedom of speech to say whatever you want with boldness. The church is supposed to show the many-sided, manifold, diverse wisdom of God to principalities, to rulers, to the angelic realm, to the spiritual realm. And we have freedom of speech to say whatever it is that we want to say with boldness. Ryan, what are you saying? I'm trying to tell us that when we talk, it creates something. And we have to know that we have the ability through partnership, through unity as the body. Do you understand what he's really saying there? He's saying... From the beginning of time, there was a level of God's wisdom that was held up until the church 
not just the Israelites, but the Gentile church, that's who Paul's talking to, that there was a manifold, many-sided wisdom of God that was held up from beginning of time until the church's formation that the angelic realm would know who God is, know about his wisdom, and only we have the ability to create that. That's a big deal. That's a big, big deal. That's a big deal. When you, this week, are encountering people, it's a big deal to know what it is that's coming out of your mouth. It's a big deal to know what your facial expressions are. It's a big deal to know what your body is communicating to other people. It is a big deal because you are displaying the manifold wisdom of God It's a pretty big deal. We are supposed to create things through our partnership with God. If you take a sponge and you dip a sponge in milk and you squeeze it, milk's going to come out. If you dip it in water, water is going to come out. What is on the inside of you when you are squeezed, that's what's going to come out. What's inside of you when you are squeezed? I'm not talking about when everything's good and the worship music was exactly where we needed it to be and it was at the right beat and it was at the right tempo and I got my dance back. No, no, no. I'm talking about when you're squeezed. When life comes, when that person at the office shows up and you're squeezed, what's on the inside of you is what comes out. And we have to, as the body of Christ, have a good enough self-awareness to know that we're displaying the manifold wisdom of God. You need to know that when you talk to your wife. You need to know that when you talk to your husband. You need to know that when you talk to your friends, when you talk to your children, that you are displaying the manifold wisdom of God with the way that you communicate because you have free speech to say whatever you want with boldness. It's a very practical thing, guys. It's a very practical thing. It's a very, very practical thing. Oh, well, I didn't mean to say that. But you did. You did say it. You can't catch it and bring it back. You did say it. How many of you have, have, have been there? Man, I wish I hadn't have said that. There are times I've had to go back, and I, yeah, some of us are raising both hands and my feet. There are times that I've had to go back and say, you know what? Even though I wasn't talking mean to you, I may have said something that persuaded your opinion of someone else. I need to apologize because I should not have even brought that up. Now, I know after the fast, we should be running the aisles and swinging from chandeliers and, you know, all that stuff that we do, whatever. We don't really swing from chandeliers. I am okay with aisle running, though. I've been known to take a lap. Guys, what I'm trying to tell you is that what you communicate is so important. I used to say this all the time. If you go out and you're mean to your, waiter, your waiters and waitresses, don't tell them you come to Awakening Church. I'm serious. You tell them you go to, well, I'm not going to name a church, but you, you tell them you go somewhere else. Yeah, you just pick one. Don't, don't do that. Don't do it. You're communicating something. If you don't tip, well... Don't you dare tell them where you go to church. Because I'm not stingy. And I don't want you to be stingy. As a matter of fact, while I'm being practical, if you don't have 20% to tip, you don't have enough money to go out to eat. But the service was bad. That's okay. Give them grace. You've been bad before too. Guys, the, the, I, I, I know, I know. Well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to give them a word. No, they, they ain't going to receive nothing if you don't tip them. That, that prophetic word is going to fall on deaf ears if you're a bad tipper. I'm serious. Watch this. If I feel, 
This is just how we do it. I'm not, you do what you want to do. But if I feel like I have a word for a waiter or a waitress, I make sure that I tip even above 20% because it's a practical thing that I can do to show the love of Christ. Guys, if we're going to really transform culture, if we're going to really transform the atmospheres around us, we're going to have to step into some practical things. And I know that we would love for everything to be shot out of Bosha and everybody falls out and all that good stuff, and that will happen. But, but you're going to cut that off. You're going to cut off what he's wanting to do if we don't learn how to do these practical things, like keep our mouth in check and do things in public that actually display the many-sided wisdom of God. Because wisdom has to produce fruit. Are y'all good? All right, how do we do it? How do we do it? Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, and I'm, I'm almost done. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to break it down. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. I love that. I, I mean, that's a word right there. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Let's all stand. I'm joking, but we could right there. Don't be pulled in different directions and worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer. Everybody say prayer. prayer. Throughout each day, offering your faith-filled request before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on that, on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Follow the example of all that we have imparted to you, and the God of peace will be with you in all things. Okay. Practically, what do I do? The first thing you need to begin to believe is that what you say has the ability to shape culture. That what you say has the ability to shape culture. The way you talk tomorrow on your job, the way you talk in your office, the way you talk at Walmart, the way you talk to your children, the way you talk to your spouse, it has the ability to shape culture. Everybody say amen. amen. Number two, submerge yourself in prayer. Be the sponge that is dipped in prayer so that when you are squeezed, that's what comes out. Number three. When you do pray, pray like God can do something about it. Pray like he can do something about it. Faith-filled requests. Number four, have a heart of gratitude, not entitlement. Have a heart of gratitude. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for what I've experienced in God. Have a heart of gratitude. Okay. Think about meditate, dwell on everything that's in verse 8. I'm not going to list them all, but go back and read verse 8 and meditate on all of that. Think about that. Think about what's real, what's authentic, all of that stuff. If you watch junk on the TV, then guess what? You're submerging yourself in junk on the TV. If you watch, I'm, I'm serious. And I'm not saying that, that, that your junk is, is crazy movies. If it, listen, if you watch media that tells you how to think all the time, I ain't got time for that today. All right, here's the last one. Hang around people that are doing it the right way. Don't surround yourself with people that agree with your negative thought life. If you struggle in that area, don't hang around people like that. Find somebody who's positive and connected to the word and hang around them. That's what Paul said. He said, imitate everything that we've imparted to you. We've shown you the right way to do it. Hang around those people. Don't hang around that person that when you go to them and you start vomiting at the mouth, then they're like, oh, I agree, and blah, 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 blah. Don't do that. It's just a very practical thing. Find people who do the opposite of that. Does that make sense?
here's what I know. God wants to use us to shape the culture. He wants to use us to bring transformation to our workplace, to our places of recreation. He wants to use us. He wants to use us. I believe that so much that Wednesday night when we were decorating those bags for Scarlet Hope, that we, we, we just begin to pray over them. We begin to pray. God, I pray that you would release identity through the girl who has this right here. That she would not get her identity in having to stand in front of men and dance. That she would not get her identity from anything other than you. Why? Because I believe that our words have the ability to shape culture. I believe the way that you approach life tomorrow will shape culture. I believe that you training your children. You know what? Every Sunday morning, I have a little shadow that walks with me back and forth during morning prayer, and I will never tell him to stop because guess what? He's going to learn what he lives, and if he sees Bane Bane walking in prayer and he wants to do it, then every single time I'm going to walk with him, and I'm going to give time, and we are going to pray. Why? Because we're raising up a generation that will really shape culture. I really believe that this is a hotbed of cultural architects that will transform the city of Louisville. And I believe it starts with what we say. I believe it starts with what we say. I believe it starts with our speech. And, and we're going to go on in the coming weeks, and we're going to talk about where all of that comes from. We're going to talk about the contrast that, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and then the proverb says that the heart is deceitful above all things. How do I navigate that? What are you talking about? We're going to talk about all of that because it's a very practical way to learn to transform our speech. I really feel like in March, I really feel like in March, I'm gonna, we're, we're just going to call the corporate body to a word fast. You thought coffee was hard. Seriously, you, you thought sweets were hard? Try to keep your mouth shut for about an hour and not say a word. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. But what we do is, is, and we're not doing it to prove anything. We're doing it to listen to what the Father wants to say to us and to change what it is. I, I, I remember, and, and, and I am, I'm going to teach on this eventually, or somebody on the team will. But I remember several years ago, uh, Damon Thompson, who's a, who's a voice in our life, he said, March is not a month, it's an order. And I was reminded of that a few months ago, just praying for the year. And I heard, I heard a really good friend of mine, and he said, you know that when the children of Israel marched around the walls of Jericho for six days, they didn't say a word. Maybe some of the reason we're not seeing walls fall is because we're trying to talk to it, and we just need to walk around and be silent and hear what the Lord is saying so that it will produce a shout in us and not a complaint. It's coming. It's, it's, it's what he's saying to us. He's, how can we be different on a practical level? How can we be different? And I catch it, I, I catch it in my communication with my children. I catch it in my communication with Rebecca. I catch it in my communication with our team. I'm like, man, what are we saying? What am I saying that is producing kingdom wisdom? Because it has to produce a harvest. We made a, we made a habit of never saying our kids were bad. Even when they were acting not like kingdom people, kingdom kids, like three and four and five-year-olds do, two-year-olds. You understand? We just made a habit of trying to garner our ability to steward the atmosphere with our mouth. Because what is on the inside of us is going to come out when we're squeezed. Amen? Let's stand. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Rebecca mentioned this earlier. I really believe that the Lord is wanting to release healing as a normal expression in our body. I really believe that he wants to do that. And I don't, I don't know if it's emotional. I don't know if it's physical, whatever it is. But I want to give opportunity for healing 
today. So just with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here and you say, hey, Ryan, I'm, I'm in pain or there's some emotional thing, the only reason I'm having you bow your heads is because I want us to begin to pray. That's, that's what it is, not because I'm worried about you looking around. If you pray with your eyes open, that's fine. But you say, I, I need healing. I need some healing, whether it be emotional, physical, whatever it is. I just want you to raise your hand. I just want you to raise your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right. I want, I want those of you that keep your hand up for me. I'm going to have people come pray for you. Just find a hand. Find a hand and go lay, lay your hand on them and let's just release healing. Positive faith filled request. We don't, we don't have to ask what it is right now. We're just going to pray for healing. We're just going to release healing. Let's just do that as a body right now. Positive faith filled request. Father, we know that you're a healer. We know that it is your desire to heal. Healing is the children's bread. We know that you have given us the ability to carry out your plans on this earth. You commanded us to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, and cast out demons. So today, we pray for healing in Jesus' name. We speak healing to every situation, every pain, every emotional wound, every situation that is there right now. We pray for healing in Jesus' name. We pray for healing. Come on, just lift your voice and pray for those that are there. Pray for it like, like it's you that needs it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being a healer. Thank you for restoration. Thank you, thank you, thank you for restoration. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> thank you for restoring uh, tendons and joints. And thank you, God, for restoring muscle mass. Thank you, Jesus, for restoration. Thank you, Lord, for restoring relationships. Thank you, God, for restoring emotional health. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Now, Father, we just pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that you would give us the ability to monitor what comes out of our mouth, that you would give us a grace to know when and when not to speak, that you would give us a grace to steward the words of the Lord correctly with everything that you give us and everything that you release to us. Father, I'm asking that you would bless your people. I pray, God, that seeds of wisdom would be sown throughout the city of Louisville this week because your family, your children are releasing the word of the Lord across this city. We trust you. God, I pray that everything they put their hand to would would prosper. I pray that everything that they declare they would see come to pass as they meditate on the real, authentic Jesus Christ. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast from Awakening Church. You can find us online at awakeningky.com.